New episodes of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast can now be found on Blog Talk Radio backslash Work Shoot Podcast. You've enjoyed our time on Podomatic, but felt it was time to move on. In order to find new episodes on iTunes, simply type in Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast and you will be able to find the new link. The link is same for Stitcher. Thank you very much for following us. And now enjoy an all-new episode of the Worksheet Wrestling Podcast, talking about Daniel Bryan's retirement this week. And on with the show. Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Love Talk Radio. Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Worksheet Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 107 of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined, as always, by Jason Brooks. This is our second episode on Blog Talk uh, Radio. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter, at Workshoot Pod, or me personally, Paladin808. Uh, we had another crazy week in wrestling. Daniel Bryant, of people on the Independence, knowing as Brian Danielson, called a 15-plus-year career done on Monday Night Raw. It was a story that was covered by the media outside of wrestling, CBS Sports, ESPN, TMZ, which we all know is kind of in the back pocket of WWE, but WPIX in New York even put it part of its uh, sports update, which was kind of interesting to see. But uh, unfortunately, as a result of it, Titus O'Neil having a little fun trying to be a apparently be a gentleman, uh, pushed Vince McMahon while he's still on camera, and he's now he's initially spent it for 90 days, now going to be 60, but we'll talk about that, the WWE number for uh, subscriptions for the fourth quarter, maybe get a little to the Dudley Boys turning heel, is it too late? Uh, New Japan Wrestling will be having its first big show without Nakamura, the last show possibly for the remaining members of the Bullet Club, Carl Anderson, and Doc Gallows, and we'll talk about a whole lot more. Uh, Jay, how you doing today on this frigidly cold day in New York? I'm doing well. Um, you know, Corey's down in New York City, and I'm in Rochester, but we, we're having some similar temperatures. We've had a nice little winter, and, uh, you know, now, now winter's punching us in the face, basically. So, yeah, trying to uh, stay warm in this weather for sure. You know, usually we used to do this show uh, on Google Hangout, and you, we'd see each other, laugh, whatever. If he saw me right now, I'm sitting here, not shivering, but you could see me, like, sh a little colder than usual. I usually have, you know, at least one window open because I always have, like, air conditioner all year long, which I'm crazy. But today, air conditioner's off, windows are closed. I'm just here, chilling out, talking to one of my best friends in the world about wrestling, uh, Jason, you know, I think we should start with Daniel Bryant, a guy who uh, both of Absolutely. us have seen majority of it, major parts of his career. I saw a little bit more of him in ROH than you did, but you've seen his whole entire WWE career. You actually most likely saw a little bit more of him, maybe in FCW before he came up to the WWE main roster. But uh, quick thoughts, either I guess on. How Monday night was what you thought of Monday night's segment or just his career. However, you want to start off on Daniel Bryan or as other people in these know him as Daniel uh, Bryan Danielson. 
Well, Brian Danielson is his real name, but let's just say Daniel Bryan. Everyone knows him as Daniel Bryan. Um, I, I think, uh, man, I, where to begin? It, 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 the, I think we talk about wrestling, and we know wrestling scripted. We know, you know, how – but it's scripted, right? And sports isn't. But to me, Daniel Bryan retiring felt like a sports moment. Um, it felt like a moment. It felt like a legend who was retiring. Obviously, a lot of the sadness comes down to the fact he was retiring when he was at his peak. And I watched some of the Daniel Bryan stuff on the network, um, and I watched the John Cena-Daniel Bryan promo before their match at SummerSlam, and it was really, really good. But Daniel Bryan was getting a pretty good crowd reaction. Like, the fans were into him, but it wasn't crazy. And then you watch slowly, 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 as he keeps getting screwed out, how the fans are getting more and more and more into him. And that run was just amazing. I mean, I, I've never, I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything like that in wrestling. Where this, from where this guy started to where he really ended up was absolutely amazing. It's good that he had his moment in the sun. He had his one, five, this guy was five foot eight, 190 pounds, won in the main event of WrestleMania. Um, I think it's unbelievable and amazing, and I'm really glad he had that moment. The speech was amazing um, and really, really emotional. And, you know, I wasn't crying, but I was definitely emotional because um, you could see how much this meant to him and how kind of hurt he was that his career was cut short. And it, it's just... Um, a really sad thing, you know, when a guy wrestles for a while, we've seen him, and then he retires after a while, so okay, good. You, you, you've had your career, now you're gone. But Daniel Bryan didn't really get to finish his career. It kind of just stopped for him. So it, it was good that he retired where it all, you know, in Seattle, his uh, home state, where it all started. And, you know, that's tremendous. But I just felt... I don't know, wanting more from this guy, wanting to see more from this guy. We watch these guys in WWE now, and they're all kind of just these hodgepodge characters who win and lose matches, and none of them really mean anything to most of the audience. This guy meant something to the audience. He absolutely meant, meant something. And it wasn't a manufactured thing like Braun Strowman or Roman Reigns. It was the audience felt a connection to this guy for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons. Some say his height. Some say the way he carried himself. There's a million reasons. Some say the way the WWE legitimately screwed him. There are a million reasons, but he had that connection with the audience like the Stone Colds did, like the Rocks did, like those guys did. I truly, truly believe that. And we don't see that on the main roster now. We don't see that in WWE. Um, because what he had is not something that Vince can make up or Triple H can make up. It's something that just happened. And um, it's sad that we didn't get to see the story really run its course. Because I think with him, you know, and that whole Kane fiasco, and then him winning the IC title and him wanting to be the main guy at SmackDown, you know, I just, it's just sad the way it ended. And I wish we could have had another two or three years of him on top to see where it could have gone. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot about this this week, but I think 
I would say right off the top that I think that might be the best non-wrestling angle I've seen on on TV. I mean, yeah, you've had some great promos over the years from, you know, The Rock and Paul, uh, Paul Heyman. But that retirement speech, like you said, it felt real. It felt like it was one of those things that Vince McMahon had nothing to do with. He just said, you've got as much time as you need. Let people know how you feel. Just keep, you know what, just we know that we have, you know, there's mostly a key word or something to know when it ends, just like we spoke in the past, like with Paul Heyman promos where they tell him where to start, give him keywords to know to cue someone's music or something else to get something done. And it made me think of, you know, Edge's retirement. It made me think of the night after WrestleMania with the great thing they did with uh, Ric Flair. You know, it felt like those type of moments. I mean, it's a different type of thing than, you know, the pipe bomb. It's a different type of thing than, you know, the classic stuff with Hogan turning and becoming part of the NWO or the Nexus, you know, the night of the of the Nexus, you know, basically taking out everybody. It was a different thing. It felt real. It felt emotional. I didn't cry just like you, but I mean, I'm sure there was a bunch of people who have been longtime wrestling fans, some who may not realize it's... Fake. I don't like using that word, but you know, it's not real. Sometimes, you know, there are fans who still believe that everybody knows. Everybody knows it's scripted, Corey. Other than other than kids, everyone I, knows. No one thinks it's real. Everyone thinks uh, it's scripted. There might be some. Everyone, Corey. Everyone, Corey. Everyone thinks it. Everyone, other than kids, everyone knows it's scripted. Okay. But the but the thing is, even even beyond that, even forget about the people who you know, you know, maybe. Whatever, mentally handicapped, we don't realize it. Beyond those type of, of people, unfortunately, um, I mean, there were grown women in the audience crying, kids crying in the audience. I mean, the impact, emotional impact that this guy has had on wrestling fans is something I don't know that we've ever seen. To, I mean, we've seen, obviously, the Stone Colds, the Rocks, and those guys. But the connection this guy had with the audience was something completely and truly unique. Absolutely, I, I agree. Um, so, what do you? Th- how do you think Daniel? I know it's very fresh, but how do you think Daniel Bryan in like five, ten years? How do you think he's going to be remembered? Do you think he's going to be that just a moment in history, or do you think he's going to be something that changes the landscape? Do you think his biggest impact will be the idea of him bringing concussions? to the forefront, like Chris Nowitzki. I mean, what do you think is going to be his impact? Is it going to be just the idea, like with guys like, you know, Sami Zayn have put on Twitter saying if it wasn't for Daniel Bryant, there there would mostly be no Sami Zayn in the WWE because he basically reset the mold of a small guy. I mean, what do you think? I I think, yeah, I, I think his biggest impact is going to be the fact that the audience is starting and, you know, it's still up and down with this. I'll give you a further example. Braun Strowman. In the 80s, this would be the guy that Vince would push. We as an audience would say okay, and we would like it, and we would be fine with it because this is what Vince wants. Now in 2016, there's rumors of Braun Strowman going against The Undertaker, and the fans are revolting against it. And now the WWE's not thinking about not doing it. That's his impact that this guy, the, the fans decided 
we don't want to take the same old crap that we've been getting. We don't want the King Kong Bundys and the Big John Studs and the Kamalas and the one-man gang. God bless those guys, and some of them rest in peace for sure, and some of them were tremendous. But we don't want the stereotypical Vince got to be pushed. The fans wanted to see a guy who was really good in the ring and who was good on the mic that they connected with, more that they connected with. They wanted to see that guy pushed. So they told the they told Vince, this is the guy we want to see pushed. Now, they did that at, at the behest of almost the whole roster, basically. And Brian talked about that with that segment with Orton and, and um, John Cena. I think his lasting impact is going to be the way he's changed how the audience, the power that the audience now has over the product that they're watching. Um, I think that'll be the most lasting impact that he has. The, the audience has more power over what they're watching now as opposed to what what it was before. And I know, you know, guys like Eddie Z, friend of the show, have been like, well, everyone should just sit back and enjoy what they're watching. No, that's, that's not it. If you don't think, if you think something is, isn't as good as you want it to be, you have the right as a fan of a product to say, I want to see this. I want to see, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you want to see. And with the age of social media, we now have a, a chance to voice our opinion. And with the fact that Raw is live every Monday, we have a chance to do that. And I think Daniel Bryan really got that out of, out of, the, out of the audience. And um, I think that'll be his lasting impact. Um, and you know what? I, I guess I, I think about that question a lot because of the fact that there's certain guys that you see their progression and where they came from. Like I said, you know, seeing him uh, on Ring of Honor and, you know, a couple of matches in Noah back back in the day and you see what he became. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to represent, and it's going to sound really corny, but he's going to sound, you know, hope. A guy who you didn't, who was, it's like the, the old uh, speech from the movie Rudy, where, you know, he's told you were five foot nothing, 160 nothing, and you, and you walked on to the, you know, the greatest university, Notre Dame. And wound up playing, and you stuck. You know, I mean, I think he's the guy. He's the the ultimate underdog. He really is. And I think it's a story of saying you put your time out there, and there's a chance that something can happen. You may not be the biggest. You may not be the strongest, but you got the biggest heart. And you know, it's it gives these guys who may be stuck on the indies for a decade still the idea that if they put their time in, they might actually one day get to where they want to go. And I think that's really important on in an industry that if forever had, you know, like you said, the Kamalas, the Big John Studs, you know, the one-man gangs who was a great worker, actually. Uh, that it, It's not only them, you know. The CM Punks of the world made it when no one expected it. The Sami Zayn's, the guys, you know, the Rey Mysterio's, the Samoa Joe's who were big enough, but you know, look like the, you know, might look like the average fan, the Kevin Owens, who may have not gotten that opportunity if a guy like Daniel Bryan didn't show that it was possible. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and there's been guys like him, um, for sure. Uh, but I think really, to me, the way he's changed the audience and how they interact with the WWE and the power that they have will be his, his you know, big, real big lasting impact. Because, We've had guys like Daniel Bryan who are smaller, who have made it. Um, but 
we, we've never had a guy where the audience is like, F you, Vince. This is, what, this is who we want in, um, in the show. This is who we want. And hijacking shows. I mean, I, we've never seen that before. We've never seen that before. And this guy did that. What do you what do you think his role on in the WWE now? Everyone wants to go and fantasy book and say he's going to get re, you know he's going to get released by the WWE and a couple of years from now he'll be wrestling in ROH in a safe style match where he doesn't have to take any major bumps. I don't think that's happening. What do you think his role will be in WWE? Do you think he can be a trainer and just not take bumps? Do you think he's going to be a you know authority figure like on a SmackDown GM? Do you think he's just, we're just going to see life after wrestling on WWE Divas on the E Network? You know with Bree. I mean, what what do you think? What what, what do you think we're going to see with Daniel Bryan when it comes to the WWE? Or is he just going to go and say I'm done? I'm moving to the country, and you're not going to see me again for however long however long it takes. I think he's going to do all those. I think he'll probably be a guest trainer. I think we'll see him on Total Diva still. I think I can we can I can see him coming out making appearances every now and then. I think he's going to be you know an ambassador to the WWE. Um, I, I think all those things, and then maybe he'll go away for a little bit. Um, I see him doing all those things, you know, being a part of the WWE family for the rest of his career. Um, and I agree with you. I don't see him now. Now that we know. Apparently, it's something really serious, and it, he does he he does seem concerned about long term health that that he's not going to wrestle again. Which I do not want to see him wrestle again. I really hope he does not. But as a you know a GM or a kind of authority for the role, I'd love to see him come out. Absolutely, I think it'd be awesome. Um, but you know who knows if we'll ever see that. Um, but yeah, I do see him being involved still for sure. You know, when they have the, you know, WrestleMania accents, you know, he'll be one of the guests. So, you know, things like that. So I see him being an ambassador, someone on we see on Total Divas. Um, I might actually watch Total Divas because now I think the story is going to be pretty interesting. See what they do with it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where they'll go with them. Now, we just, I just, you know, we brought her up slightly just now. Brie, Brie Bella, off-screen wife of uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, do you think that this next Sunday at the Fastland pay-per-view, she's facing Charlotte? Do you think they try to take the momentum, just to get to back into the wrestling a little bit for a second here, do you think that they might go and put the title on Brie, even if it's maybe for a day, have Brian in the corner, feel-good story, or do you think that she's just there to lose and we still go on with the story that looked like was going on before this? Yeah, I think she's there. I think she's there to lose her right off in the sunset. I, I think that's what she's there to do. So you I think, think she's done after giving her. I I think they're giving her. I could absolutely be wrong, but this is my prediction. It sounds like they've been talking about wanting to have kids for a while, and I think she's. I don't know, whatever, early thirties. He's early mid thirties. Thirty four years old. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they're kind of at the point where, like, what she, you know, she made, you know, her sister's not there, well, maybe for the rest of her career. I think this is her one last moment to kind of ride off in the sunset, have a really good match with Charlotte, hopefully. I mean, we, none of us think she's great, but, you know, one last match against Charlotte, 
and she kind of rides off into the sunset, having her one, you know, her one Divas title match. That's what I see happening. I see her losing the match, um, and then I don't know about retiring right after the match or whatever, but maybe really they start to start really, really phasing her out over the next several months. Um, and, you know, that's kind of, and, you know, she'll still be a promotional person and be doing Total Divas, but that's where I see them going with her. Um, I could, I actually disagree with you. I think that they might try to take the momentum maybe she'll here. Win the match? I think she'll win the match and maybe lose the lose maybe the very next night, and then you get right and oh. and you get right into oh, uh, that, Sasha. Corey, and, that's awful, Corey. That's that's you don't think that's awful? Like, why would they do that? Well, Just have her win the match. Well, think about this: Ray, uh, Eddie Guerrero dies. Rey Mysterio wins the title. Edge goes and retires. They put the title on Christian. They have a history of going and trying to ride the momentum of association with when, when there's a big story. So, I mean, I think they could – I don't think it's the right decision, but I think you could have maybe a one-day title run, maybe have her hold the title for a week or two, and then get it right back to Charlotte and still get to your main story of either a three-way with Sasha and Becky Lynch or Sasha versus – Charlotte at at Mania. So I mean, I I'm hoping they go with your direction, but I can see it happen. I don't I don't want it to happen, but I can see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I don't know. You, you could you definitely could be right. You absolutely could be right. I I just think it would be a mistake. Well, she doesn't need to win the title. Like I, I guess maybe the other thought is to give her the title once to say that she had it. Well, I think she's so actually held the title for the company. I think she held it once before. I think they said on TV recently. Oh, she has. Well, that that also changes things too. Um, yeah, I, I, it would to me it make more sense if it was the first time she ever won the title. Um, I'm gonna look it up. I don't think she's ever won, but I would think it'd be interesting if that were the case. But you know, I hope they don't do that anyway. I, I hope they just continue with where they're going to go with it and give Brie her moment in the spotlight, have her have a really good match, uh, but not win the title. All right, while you look that up, I'll move on to my last thing in regards to the Daniel Bryan thing, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, a lot over the next couple of months, years, and as long as we're doing the show. But it's already been announced that Sting will be headlining the Hall of Fame this year. Do you think it's too soon do you think it's the right time for Daniel yeah. Bryant to go into the Hall of Fame this year, or do you wait a year? It, I, yes, it's too long. It's not. It's not time. Give let let's give it. Let, it looks like she won the title, by the way, in April two thousand eleven. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! I I don't think she had it for very long. Like everyone's had to be the title, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so it looks like she won it in 2011, and I don't think she's won it since then. Um, anyhow, um, no, I I um, would rather them just highlight Sting, have him be the guy, then have Daniel Bryan be the guy next year. So I think if they did that, then he would really overtake Sting, and I think that would be bad. And they don't have enough guys to headline every year. So have Sting headline this year, have Daniel Bryan headline next year. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think... That you most you got Sting and the Freebirds and whoever else they put in, and I think if you put Daniel Bryan in so close to his his epic retirement speech, I think kind of take it doesn't take away from it, but it's almost like I've already I think we've already heard everything that we need to hear already because that retirement speech 
kind of felt like a little bit like a Hall of Fame speech, you know? So, I mean, having it one after another, I think you need a little bit of time to breathe. I mean, when Eddie died, it was right before and it was the right idea. When Edge retired, it was after Mania, so they waited till the next year. So I, I think that it's a good idea to wait a year. And I think, like you said, the main guys that you still have left that haven't gone to the Hall of Fame really is The Rock, Undertaker who hasn't retired yet, and Daniel Bryan. You don't have that many headliners, and I think if it's going to be a big event every year, you got to spread it out. So I agree with you. You wait, you wait one year or more to get uh, Daniel Bryan into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree. Uh, the next thing that I want to talk about, it's, it's a direct correlation to uh, what happened on Monday. Uh, Titus O'Neil, a guy who's become a kind of an ambassador <clears throat> For the WWE, with a father of the year and a lot of these things that he does, public service, where he was in the news, I guess, like a year ago, a year and a half, where he brought a bunch of homeless people to get food. Uh, you know, he's been one of these guys who really appears to be one of the good guys in wrestling, in and outside of the ring. And unfortunately, he went and was playing around with uh, WWE chairman uh, Vince McMahon during uh, the speech. And he went and pushed McMahon from what Titus O'Neil has said. He went and was doing it for uh, Stephanie to be able to go first, you know, being a gentleman. Uh, he was initially uh, suspended for 90 days. Uh, now it's a 60-day. Uh, right off the bat, I'm going to say this in two folds. One, it doesn't look great when it's – and you can tell me this is ridiculous, but Black History Month and you're suspending one of the few black employees – in the company, it looks... He might be the, one of the highest... Pro, he was definitely one of the highest profile, for sure. And you know what? It's That's one. And two, we're suspending a guy during... Longer than you get... People get suspended for a violation of the steroids or drug policy. Usually, if you get a first offense is... I believe it's 30 days. And a guy is getting suspended initially 90 days for horsing around on TV with the chairman of the company, and when it initially happened, it didn't even look like it was a big deal. I mean, Vince, get the stick out of your ass. I mean, this is really ridiculous. And especially these guys who work all year long, he's not going to now be part of WrestleMania. I mean, maybe you have a different take on this, but I think this was ridiculous. I think it should have been a week suspension. Maybe he gets mad at him and says, don't do it again. Do a week suspension. Next week, that's the end of it. I think I think for them to suspend them again, it comes down to a- absolute power, absolute uh, corrupt, absolutely. I mean, right? He he made the he made him mad, so that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? I, I could give examples in in schools on how this operates, but I don't I don't want to get into that and get myself in trouble. But <laughs> um, you know, if, if Titus would have done that to another wrestler, it would have been fine. But because he did it to the boss, the boss took it personally and did that to him. Supposedly, um, you know, Dave Meltzer has reported that it was less about Titus O'Neil and more about them wanting to send a message to the locker room because they've kind of gotten wind that guys are behaving a bit unprofessionally. And we know now it's you know, very corporate, very structured, a lot different than how it used to be. And so, you know, there's that element to it that possibly this had something to do with, you know, whatever, um, guys being unprofessional and this wanting to set the tone. 
Um, still, though, Corey, I mean, to me, this looks bad because of no, no Black History Month, whatever, and, and whether he's black or not is one thing. But more of this is like a good guy. He seems like a good guy. Not only that, he's someone that WWE is really putting over as a good guy. And he's a baby face. The fans actually seem to like him. And they're doing okay by him. And to suspend him and make it so public, it just doesn't seem to make it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. But again, this is this is what happens. You know, the, the guy Vince runs the company. And somebody made him mad. So they're going to pay. I mean, we've heard these stories from the court Bauer for Alex Greenfield where, you know, Hellfire, someone has a drop of a hat because they made him mad or he'll do something kind of, uh, you know, you know, out of nowhere because they made him mad or because someone did something wrong to him and he took it personally. And this is no different. So that's really where it's, where it's at. I think it's ridiculous. I feel bad for Titus O'Neil. Um, he'll be able to go home, spend some time with his family. I hope he doesn't lose two months of pay because that would suck. He's got a bunch of kids over a, over a crappy incident. But you know, this is this is kind of how it goes with people in power, oftentimes. Oh, we want to elect Donald Trump as president. Let's see how that works. Uh, and you know what? I don't. And I I just said with the idea with Black History Month thing because, like I said, it's it, it's a weird time to do it, especially when you're doing promotion with you know every year trying to show your diversity and honoring you know people who worked in your company in the past. And let me let me put this question. And we'll move away from this cause, uh, quickly because I know we have a couple of things to deal with today. But if this was Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, or Dean Ambrose. You think that you think they get suspended? Do you think they blow up their Fastlane main event because of this, or is it because uh, the only thing really Tyson O'Neill is doing is trading wins and losses with Stardust, and he's not a key member of the roster right now? What's Vince's uh, theme song? No chance, <laughs> no chance in hell, <laughs> not no way, no freaking way. He would suspend those guys. No way. He would have got mad, and then he would have thought about it, and then he would have said, okay, let me not do anything stupid. Or Triple H would have talked him out of it, or some, or Stephanie would have talked him out of it. If it's one, no way if it's one of those guys. Agreed. And that's what I think is part of the bigger problem, the idea that there's – and I know that with every job there's kind of like a class system where there's sort of – you're allowed to get away with a little bit more than other people. But, you know, I think that's an interesting thing, saying that this was someone who actually truly... I like Titus O'Neil, especially what he does outside of the company. But if, if it was someone who really mattered, if it was John Cena, if it was The Undertaker, this would be a slap... You know, could they get maybe a small, you know, fine? You know, possibly. But this would be a slap on the wrist, and it would have never even mostly came out as a big story. You know, if you were reading, you know, the Wrestling Observer or something, you might see a little bit of blurb saying this happened on Monday night, you know, but it would have not been a big a big deal. And I just think the Titus O'Neil, I really think they should just go and throw this under the rug and he shouldn't be suspended at all. I mean, maybe you don't have him on Raw this week, but you, I don't think this Titus O'Neil thing was a huge deal. Let me ask you one last thing about this. We have some smart fans out there, some dumb ones, but... Do we hear a Titus O'Neil chant or anything on anything on Raw? Or do you think that this kind of isn't a big enough thing with the the average fan that you won't even really hear anything about Titus O'Neil on Monday? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think if this was like Kevin Owens, I think people would be up in arms, and I think you'd hear the fan, you'd hear it from the fans, because Kevin Owens is a you know internet darling, as we say. Where Titus O'Neil really, I mean, he's not great in the ring. He's not really an internet darling. He's a good guy, but he's not great in the ring or an internet darling per se. So I don't know that we'll get that same reaction. But with this new age Daniel Bryan audience, who the hell knows? I'm not sure where they're going to be this week, which will also have some bearing as to how the crowd is. But um, I, I don't, excuse me, I don't see that happening. I, I think the audience will be okay. But you never know. Uh, now, moving on to one other thing from Roy, at least that I have. Uh, I was there the night after SummerSlam when we had the big return of the Dudley Boys. Dudley Boys got a couple of matches for the tag team titles. They've kind of basically just become another person in the Fed right now. Do you think it's a little bit too little too late with the Dudleys turning them heel on Monday? Or do you think that they could actually mean something? Or is it kind of too late right now for the Dudleys? I mean, I don't know, too late. Too late. I don't know what that means. I mean, they got a great reaction when they turned, when they when they beat up the Usos. This is what people wanted to see from the Dudleys in the first place. Agreed. I mean, you could say that you could say that they're not really heels. They're just being them. Um, so you know, maybe it's more that than anything. Um, I if the crowd was any indication on Monday, and the crowd was hot. I mean, Seattle's a, a really good sports town and you know, a good wrestling town, but. So the crowd was really hot for the Dudleys. And if they're any indication, then, yeah, I think that this is a, a very good move. And I think that the Dudley boys could really be useful going against the Usos and being another heel tag team. Um, you know, there was rumors that uh, Big Cass and Enzo were going to be on Raw. And that didn't turn out to be true. But they'd be another good tag team for the Dudleys to feud with and, you know, put over as baby faces if they do, you know, join the main roster. And, um, yeah, it, so I think this is very good. I think it opens things up. And we already have the New Day, which I think is kind of, they're kind of bigger than the tag team division, in my opinion, now. And so it's good that now we're having, I mean, we still need more teams. I mean, basically, the Usos, the Lucha Dragons aren't really there anymore because of Kalisto. Uh, so the Dudleys, they needed the Dudleys to do something here. So um, lively, livens up the tag team division for sure because, the tag team division in NXT, we complained about it for a long time, is far and away better than the WWE in terms of what they're doing with the tag teams, in terms of them having contenders. So hopefully with the Dudley boys, it opens up the tag team division a little bit. Agreed. And speaking of Enzo and Cass, they actually worked a dark match on uh, on SmackDown this week. So they they were on the uh, the SmackDown tapings for the dark, dark sh- uh, as a dark match just to... Uh, you know, build on what you said there. Um, I think the Dudleys are, full respect, I mean, one of the top five or six tag teams I've ever seen, push-wise and everything else. And I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I mean, I just think they've become just another tag team, another team since their big, you know, reaction on that night in Brooklyn. And I'm hoping that this re- revitalizes them and they feel like something special. I mean, I know it's awful for uh, Devon, but... I truly enjoyed the work that uh, Bubba did in uh, TNA as a heel on the mic, and I, I hope we see something like that. I mean, I 
hopefully that grows from this. And, and I really do hope that the Dudleys do get a more of a push going into Mania and going through. I mean, do I see them, you know, maybe getting a match at Mania right now? I wouldn't say that for sure. But I think that the Dudleys versus the the, uh, the Usos at Fastlane, most likely, I think will be a fun match. And it'll be one of those matches that helps a show become something more interesting and not just a main event, you know, with the three-way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I do I do see the Dudleys getting a match at WrestleMania. I think they're going to figure something out. I mean, even maybe turning the New Day babyface and, and doing it that way. I'm not sure, but I do see the Dudleys. I think this is a push. I think they're 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 giving the Dudleys a push towards something. Not mm-hmm. sure if it's the titles or not, but I do think they get a spot at WrestleMania. Uh, now, I mean, there was other stuff that happened mm-hmm. on on Raw. I mean, you had another week of Brock versus the best friends. I mean, I personally don't really care that much if on them continually trying to say that Dean's going to turn. If it does happen, that will be great because he's a great heel, but. I really don't have that much to say in regards to the the uh, the, the uh, contract signing. I just thought it was another episode of Raw in that regard. Yeah, I, I thought the show was fine. Um, other than that, you know, other than what we've kind of talked about, nothing particularly stood out. Although I'll say this, um, and I did note this on Twitter at Work to Shoot Pod. I, I really like this Jericho Midnight. I did not see the Jericho AJ match on SmackDown. I don't know how that ended. Um, but I really, really have been enjoying this Miz, Jericho, and AJ feud. Um, I, I think that it's been very old school. It's been about, you know, respect, and, and, and you don't see that a lot in the WWE. Usually they have, they have to have some stupid gimmick attached to things. Um, but I really have enjoyed that feud and the interaction between those three. And I think the Miz has done a good job, too. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that. You know, that was a, a segment that, that I really, really enjoyed. But other than that, Raw was not really a standout show for me. Agreed. And I, I'll say it again, just like you, I think The Miz has really shined as the, the a third wheel in this feud. I mean, I don't know if we get a three-way match at Fastlane or not, but I think The Miz has done some really good work. And I think you'll enjoy the AJ versus a Jericho match on SmackDown. It was a good match. I won't give away the ending, but it continues the storyline, so that, that was good on that end. Uh, moving, moving on to the other big news of the week, we had the fourth quarter numbers come out for the WWE. Uh, subscribers were slightly down. Uh, it's around 1.2 million, down from about 1.23 uh, million, so it was slightly down from the third quarter for the numbers. Now it's flat. Wait, they, wait, hold on, hold on, hold, wait, hold on. I thought the the third quarter the the numbers were one point one seven three, and then the fourth quarter was one point two two. Did I read? Maybe I, I read I, that. I, wrong. I got those. <clears throat> What'd you say? Maybe I got that wrong. I, th- I thought they were. I didn't think they. I thought they were down slightly, but they weren't down that that much. No, I, no. It looks like the numbers. It looks like the numbers actually increased oh, okay. from the from the third quarter. And they had a 49% increase from the fourth quarter of last year. So they, it looks like they've actually increased quite a bit in general. Um, so, yeah, I mean, their revenue increased by 18%. Um, and it looks like they've had, you know, we kind of talked about the ratings and, and, and how, you know, they had many of those issues. And I thought this is where you were going with it. 
but it actually sounds like financially, and of course we know that Vince always likes to spin things a bit, but it sounds like they've actually done had a very good year financially. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I, well, my bigger point here was going to be, last year they hit their high watermark of a little bit over 1.3 at WrestleMania time last year. Right now they're at 1.22, I think you just said, or just around there. Yeah. Does, do you think that the the do you think they're ever going to reach two million subscribers? Do you? I mean, are you a little bit nervous the fact that they've they're basically everywhere in the world except China at this point, and the num and the we're not getting anywhere near you know that two million number that they had hoped for. I mean, not even near one point five. I mean, do you think WrestleMania they'll get up to around yeah, that number, or what do you think? Yeah, but then we say they wanted to be at one million, and then they weren't at one million for in, you know for forever. Then they got to one two four last year. Now they're in Japan for the first time. We're not even at WrestleMania yet, so we don't know if it's going to go higher with WrestleMania now that they have Japan. You know, so I don't I don't know. I think the I think the numbers are are okay. Do I think they want them to be higher? Absolutely. Do I think they more, want more of that one point five? Absolutely. But we talked for a long time, and all we heard was they need to get to one million. They need to get to one million, and they're above that now. So I, I think the network is seems like it's doing okay, um, and I think they'll just continue to grow the more markets they're in. The thing that I thought that was interesting was they talked about the ratings, and they asked Vince about the ratings, and he 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 says, well, we have a lot of other revenue streams, and I don't live and die with the ratings. Now, all we've heard for years is that Vince lives and dies by the ratings and will change programming based on that and things like that. Now we're hearing that that's not the case. So my question for you is, do you believe him or do you think he's full of crap? I think he's totally full of crap. I mean, I think the idea, if, if the ratings were doing as good as they were in the past, he'd be going and saying how we're doing so much better than everyone else. Uh, basically, he's doing spin on the fact that he doesn't want the number of the uh, the stock to go down, which I know the whole stock market tanked over the last week, and it did, went up, you know, a bit on Friday. But the stock took was down, like, I think a, a dollar and a quarter from when uh, the report came out. I mean, I think these are all nice ways of saying that, yeah, ratings aren't great, but... Don't don't look at you know don't look at Oz, don't look at the man behind the you know the curtain. I, I really think that they're worried and they're going to put on a happy face. I mean, they say that what twenty five million people have done have downloaded the WWE app. Do you realize how many people most likely they download it, then they delete it, and then they read? You know, I'd like to know the real number of how many people have actually deleted it and redone it again. I mean, I'll be the first one to say I've went and downloaded the app. And then gotten rid of it and then downloaded it again when I needed it for something. So, I mean, I don't know what you, you know, having like the fourth most amount of people watching you on YouTube compared to everyone else really means. I mean, that's free content no one's paying for. I mean, I don't know what these numbers really mean, good or bad. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I will say this, and this has been proven because I am on um Twitter during Raw quite often. I mean, they kill it on social media during Raw. A absolutely. Um, they, they are big social media 
Um, their impact on social media, I, I, I completely, completely get. But you know, Corey, they could spend the numbers any way they want to make themselves look good. They really could. Um, and so I don't know how accurate that is. I have no idea. But they always spend the numbers to how they want them to look. And, you know, that's what companies do. That's what businesses do. You know, um, they, they skew the numbers to where they want it to go. If you guys are a fan of the wire, you know what I mean? They they juke the stats. I mean, that's kind of the way the way it goes and, and, and that's what Vince is doing probably a little bit. That being said, it still sounds like the company's doing well, even if the ratings aren't necessarily killing it. Uh, this is from uh and, and I and I'll say that, and I'll say this course, sorry to interrupt. Oh sure. I sure. think NXT's also a big underlying reason why too. And you know what? I listened. I listened to the conference call because I was on my way to work, and I, you know, I'd gotten a copy of it from being a a member of Jason Powell's great site, uh, ProWrestling.net, uh, and he had the whole entire uh, stream up of of it. And it's amazing how much they don't say in these conference calls. Every question about anything in regards to really with numbers, uh, George Barrios, who's their financial guy basically says uh, we don't want to give the the numbers right now, which maybe that's something that every conference call they do, but it just sounded really bad when people are asking you about official numbers and you don't want to give anything. But uh, this is, comes from uh, Jason Powell, as you said, of ProWrestling.net. WWE reported that the W Network reached 1.22 million paid subscribers at the end of the fourth quarter of 2015. WWE also noted that we reached a record 1.24 million paid subscriber count during the fourth quarter, which is, I think, is saying people who went and got the Royal Rumble and then right afterwards mostly got rid of it. And one thing you want to bring up is, which they were saying this year, WWE Royal Rumble, for first-time users, was free. You can get the Rumble for free. So it doesn't sound like they kept a lot of people who got the Rumble for free. And then the other part is... The paid subscriber count was down slightly from 1.233 million subscribers at the end of the third quarter. The peak overall subscriber count was 1.327 million the day after WrestleMania 31. So the, last year at this time, they were at, you said, the 1.77 for the, thir- uh, for the fourth quarter yeah. last year. And fourth quarter this year, they were at the 1.22. So they were down slightly from quarter three, which was 1.23 to 1.22. So, I mean, just want to make sure that we have that factual in our numbers. Um, but it's, it's you know, like I said, they didn't go down much. They're keeping their base. People are still watching, you know, NXT. They're watching the pay-per-views. With pe- and one thing that we can bitch and moan, me more than you at times, about the WWE Network and the amount of people who have it, and we've said this in the past, there are still major parts of this country where you can't get good enough internet service to actually be able to go and get the WWE Network. It's not, unless you're living in Canada and some other parts of the world, it's not a paid channel. So I think those numbers are never going to be as high as they maybe can be because of the fact that some of the people who are huge fans of your product can't actually get the, can't actually buy the network. Yeah, I I think... We're going to have to see how that goes. I mean, this, the WWE Network has been this thing that we're still kind of figuring out. And I think the WWE and Vince and everyone themselves is trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still a work in progress. But I'd say that the good news is, I mean, we might be one 
you know, hundred thousand people off, but they're not getting killed. Right. Like they're not they're not getting killed, which I think is really really important. And I, I so I think they're kind of now the thing is how do they build up their network subscriber even more number even more. That I think now is going to be the interesting thing. What can they do now to get more subscribers other than go to London, Japan, and China, maybe at some point. Um, I think they're in India already. Yes. So that's really going to be the thing. Other than going to new markets, with the markets they have, how can they get that subscriber base higher? Um, and that's something, obviously, they're working on. Right. And on the, on the call, uh, the conference call, they did say there are three big places they still have left, and the big one is China. We'll see if that does or doesn't happen in the future. But uh, the last thing I have on the agenda for today, unless there's something that we forget, uh, we've got, this is the big, we said this in the beginning, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, for the people who are listening to this uh, live or will be listening to this in the next day or so, uh, we'll have the New Japan uh, New Beginning show this, this Sunday morning at 2 a.m. East Coast, uh, a little bit, I guess, 11 p.m., PacNet or West Coast, but this is going to be the first big show, really, that they don't have Nakamura, AJ, and this is going to be the last show, as far as we know, for Carl uh, uh, Anderson and Doc Gallows. Uh, I guess first I'll ask you, what's your interest level in this show, if any, and do you think that the product is going to struggle without these people? Do you think they have enough depth that they might actually be able to just continue on where they've been? Well, Corey, you'd have to run down the card for me because I don't know exactly what the card's going to be. Um, I, I didn't even know they had a big show. So you're, you're actually completely surprising me. Um, so now to answer your question about whether these guys leaving is going to impact them, I think there's no doubt about it. We see it with the WWE knee injuries, losing Cena, losing Orton. You know, when you lose big-time stars, it's going to hurt the company. There's no doubt about it. How much so? I don't know, they might be okay, but we already saw they lost the Bush. They've, they've lost guys already, and now they've had guys bleed. So will they be able to be okay? Sure. I think they'll be okay, but will it be a – will these next few months be an interesting transition process? Um, yes, and it'll be very fascinating to see what they do with the G1. I think that's going to be the most fascinating thing. AJ, Nakamura, and underratedly Carl Anderson were – huge parts of the G1, and they're not going to be there. And so how are you going to to, to do that? I don't know. I, I think that's going to be very, very fascinating with the G1. But I think they have some time over the next few months to build up some characters, make Omega a bigger guy, um, and, and really build up some of the some of the guys they have. Um, maybe Battle of Fale since he's staying, give him more of a run. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But, um, as far as Sunday goes, I don't have the card in front of me, Corey. So um, uh, I can I give can you a couple of them right now, unless you have it. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of the matches here. Uh, you got Tanahashi versus Omega for the vacated IWGP IC title, <clears throat> which I think should be really good. Um, hopefully they put the title on Omega. They don't get scared and keep and put it on Tanahashi. You got the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom. Hanma and Makabe versus Anderson and Gallows for the IWGP Tag Team Titles. You got uh, Kushida versus Bushi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Titles. Those are your three big matches. 
You got Fish and O'Reilly will be on the show. You got Michael Elkin in a tag team match with Jay White uh, will be on the show. You got the Briscoes and Yano facing the remaining members of the Bullet Club again. So, you know, you got some good stuff on paper. Uh, you also add a show a couple of days ago. Two of our favorite guys, both uh, uh, maybe your one of your favorite wrestlers, a little bit more than mine because you've seen him more, but uh, Ricochet and Matt Seidel won the uh, junior heavyweight tag team titles uh, earlier this week. So they, they'll be on the show on an eight-man tag. So there's some good stuff on the show. I mean, is it the greatest show ever? No, but I, I think Tanahashi versus Omega, which I've never seen. Maybe they faced each other before, but I think that's a really strong headliner. And is that going to be the is that that's going to be the main event? Uh, yeah. That and look at Omega getting the main event. That's the big, you know, from where he came from. I mean, they did bring him in with a lot of cachet. So I mean, I'm not surprised eventually he moved up to this, but he probably moved up to the main event quicker than New Japan expected that he would. So it's good for him. I think he's been good in the role, and I do hope he wins the belt. I. I I think if I had to guess, they would, but, you know, New Japan kind of keeps it, it keeps it at home, you know, with Tanahashi and Okada and Nakamura before he left. So we'll see if they're going to branch out and give the American their sec- second biggest belt in the company. I mean, it will be, it will be interesting. And like I said, uh, if I were you, I would check out this show. And also there was a show a couple of days before both. You can ch- check out on New Japan World. I mean, we don't get paid by... New Japan World to promote, but it is, I think, a great site and a great service. You uh, had Okada versus Goto. Uh, like I said, you had the crowning of the new tag te- junior heavyweight tag team champions, and you had Shibata versus um, Ishii in their rematch. So you had some really good matches on that show from a couple of days ago. Both, would you, like I said, you can catch a New Japan World. I think it's going to be an interesting couple of months to see how they rebound from the loss of Nakamura and AJ, and to see what happens with a stagnant, to say, times taking division when Anderson and Gallo do leave. So I think it's going to be an interesting test for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, New Japan will be, and what stars do they push? What guys do they do they do they push over the next few months? And do they rely more on the Ring of Honor guys and the Americans to come in and help some of their, you know, struggling talent lot, some of their talent losses um it'll be we'll see what happens over the next few months oh and i guess the one thing i forgot to bring up well just think it's very very fast was that last week on the show we spoke about very uh, very quickly that the opponent for cm punk's first fight in ufc could be happening uh unfortunately we had an opponent but now uh it looks like back surgery for cm punk he's gonna be out four to six months so that uh, proposed fight at either UFC 199 or 200 is now off the table at the moment. And the only thing I want to ask you, Jake, because I know you don't follow as close as I do, does your interest level in CM Punk actually fighting at any point, do you think it's actually going to ever happen? And two, with another setback, do you is your care, care level continually to go down? Yeah, so I'll kind of go here with it. My first thoughts when I saw the news, his body's been beat to hell. And he mentioned that. And now that we're seeing him try to be an MMA fighter, we're seeing there's a lot of things. I mean, he's had like a bunch of surgeries, Corey, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. training injuries and things he's had to get worked on. I mean, he 
said he was going to join them November of a year, year and a half ago, and he hasn't had a fight yet. And he's not going to fight until maybe, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be, but it definitely won't be in June. So, I mean, his body's obviously been beat to hell um, from wrestling. And it's kind of the thing with when Brock Lesnar joined, Brock didn't have all those miles in his body. And that's why he was able to be successful. I get one of the reasons, other than the wrestling background and the, the tremendous athlete that he was, kind of a generational athlete. CM Punk doesn't have any of that. And so I, I continue to think that he's going to struggle. And yes, the injuries have dampened my, okay, you're going to fight? Okay, you're going to fight? Okay, you're going to fight? I mean, how long until this guy fights? Now, there's nothing that they can do. I mean, if you're injured, you're injured. It is what it is. But um, I do think that they're going to have to really look into... Um, he's, he's going to have to be healthy. He's going to have to get himself healthy, and I, I don't know how that happens. So I guess we'll see. I, I hope it works out for CM Punk. Um, I'd like to see him fight at some point this century. So um, <laughs> let, let's hope that he let's hope that he gets out there. You know, and best of luck to him. Absolutely. And Jay, if you'd like to let people know uh, how they can go and follow the show, especially in fact now that we're now on Block Talk Radio, uh, give us a little information: Twitter, Facebook. And all the other ways, Stitcher, of yeah. course. Sure. So, so we're we're changed on iTunes, and Corey, you might be able to tell us better than that since you had to change our iTunes thing. Um, but uh, Corey, is it still you can type in on iTunes the Workshop Wrestling Podcast and find us? Or yes. Is it different now. No, no, same thing. Okay. Okay. So type in the Workshop Wrestling Podcast, you'll find us. Same thing with Stitcher. Please subscribe um, so you don't miss an episode. Please leave a review. That'd be great. Uh, also, didn't want to forget to mention the official sponsor of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast is Punch Apparel, clothing that rocks, www.punc.co. Uh, if you find anything you like on there, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things like that, um, you type in SHOOT, all in caps at checkout, and you'll save 15% off your purchase. Shipping is free worldwide. In order to contact Corey or I, we're on Twitter at WorkshootPod. Uh, Corey has his own personal Twitter, which nobody uh, pays attention to, at Paladin808. And we also have a Facebook page, which is the Workshoot Podcast. So just for the audience, like, don't confuse the Workshoot Podcast and the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. We are the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, so make sure for iTunes and Stitcher you use that. Thanks. Perfect. And I guess the final thing today, just want to once again say uh, – Daniel Bryant, Brian Danielson had a great career. We're going to miss him. Hopefully we do see him in some form as time goes on. And uh, he was uh, a guy that really meant a lot to me as, you know, showing that there can be a difference and you don't have to see the typical guys every week. Um, and I guess the only way to end this podcast this week for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond, and as Daniel Bryant said, we're grateful for you giving us an opportunity every week to let you give us your opinion, our opinions and keep on listening to the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast every week on all pa- platforms. And, Jay, the floor is yours. I think we're done here. See ya. Give me what it takes now.
Just remember, guys, blogtalkradio.com backslash workshoot podcast going forward.